What's going on? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Success is Within Reach podcast, season four, episode three. Credit and finance conversations with Mr. Jay Allen. He's back in the building. Those that have been following the podcast for the past couple of seasons know Jay is a um, certified credit and finance specialist. Every time it comes through, he's answering your questions, dropping gems, helping us get our budgets together, finances together, our credit together, credit reports together, um, you know, our, our credit profiles together. So most definitely when Jay is in the building, I always tell people, grab a pen, grab a notepad and get ready to take some good notes. Mr. Allen, what's going on, sir? What's going on, Mr. Smith? How you doing, sir? Glad can't to be complain, here, man. Um, it's been a good, it's crazy that this is the fourth season. Um, I remember my first episode, man, not really knowing what to say and what to do and being nervous, man. It's like, all right, now I'm like, let's let's, let's go. This is the best part of my day, man. So I'm happy to be here. I'm grateful, man. And just ready to uh, get everybody blessed, man. Um, this is a very important topic. So let's let's do it. That's what's up, man. I always appreciate when you come through and bless the audience. I want to remind everybody before we get started, as always, you can join in the conversation live and submit your questions and comments to www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. And if there's anything uh, that you forgot or didn't have time to get in, you can always uh, message us on the Facebook page and we'll make sure we get it in on a future episode. All right. So for those that may be new to season four, uh, maybe new to the podcast for season four. Tell them a little bit about yourself and how you got into uh, the finance space. Yeah, man. Perfect question, man. I'm, I'm Jay Allen, man. Like Shannon mentioned, um, I've been in the credit and finance space really since undergraduate. I was I was an undergraduate finance major in North Carolina A&T and in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I started my career in uh, 2006 with a captive lender, which means that my company that I work for, um, we are the captive lender of our manufacturer by equipment i've been with them over 17 years now i've served uh, in many roles in terms of credit underwriting unsecured lending secure lending uh everything from business to personal from 500 unsecured line of credit to a uh you know to up, up to 40 mil i think it's my biggest deal i've ever really under underwritten um legal accounts collections anything finance i've probably done it you know in regards to like lending in that space I've also worked in the credit repair space too, which was big for me because I got opportunity to help people, you know, before they went to see a lender. And, you know, and back then my, my, my claim to fame was, you know, I want to change the way a lender look at you because I have a, a good idea what a lender wants to see. I was able to get, to get my uh, clients prepared for the conversations with lenders and bankers uh, in advance. That's awesome, man. Like, it's so rare that you come across somebody that knows both sides, you know, at the desk. People that can prepare you for being the, the one that's applying for the loan, but then also to have that perspective from the other side of the desk to say, okay, when you come, this is what you need to have. This is what we're looking for. This will, you know, increase your approval chances. This will decrease your approval chances. So, man, like, I, I love that you have that expertise from both sides of the desk to be able to help people out. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's get into it. So the first question, you know, with 
so so much changing in our economy over the past couple of years you know a lot due to the pandemic some due to different things going on in the world and then some things just with you know the administration as it is how have you seen um the economy affect interest rates and credit approvals for people yeah so you know, as a as a consumer first of all I'm, you know, I, I bought a house back in back in july of, of last year uh when I moved back to, to, to Tennessee from Kansas and I, I literally watched the rates from a, a, a home lending standpoint go from like 3%. People were just buying houses left and right. I think I came in somewhere at 5.25 or 5.3, which was actually top tier. I qualified for the top tier rate, which at the time it felt high compared to my, my counterparts who bought houses maybe like four months prior, but that was a good rate. That just kind of shows you how fast the rates changed in the economy. From my desk at work, my job, we have raised rates probably five to six times over, over the past 24 months. Mm. That's what with inflation, to keep up with the cost of money. What people have to understand is that lenders are also borrowing money as well. And we have to have certain credit criteria as a lender to borrow money from the market. So we, in order to stay competitive, to stay profitable, uh, we had to raise rates because you know the, the Federal Reserve rate is going to be that that bottom rate that you that you're trying to borrow at, right? But based on your FDIC insurance, based on if you have deposits or not, you know if you lend money and hold money, uh, that all kind of varies amongst institutions. So therefore, you know we're coming in, we don't actually hold money. We don't, we're not not a bank. We're a straight lender, right? So when banks have deposits on hand. They can, they can utilize your capital and your savings account, checking account, and they can leverage that in terms of collateral um, when they go borrow money from the market, which means that they are going to be more liquid and, and less risky, whereas my company does not have deposits. So therefore, we're going to be more risky and have higher rates, but we're all feeling the same crunch. Therefore, someone that may be, and hypothetically speaking, who may have gotten a rate of you know 6% last year, uh, <coughs> excuse me, they're currently at around 8.94 and, and, and that's like our best rate so that kind of just shows you how it can change over time and you're just talking about you know a payment monthly that can that can you know in some cases that can be hundreds of dollars per month more based on what you're purchasing so for a consumer that may be you know scratching you know check the check and they want to buy a house now and the house they looked at last year same price could be it could be the same price but the payment monthly could be a whole lot higher and then they're out of that bracket again so consumers are struggling now to keep up from a budgetary standpoint and then also on top of that you have lenders cracking down because lenders now with with the economy being what it is <clears throat> they're kind of tightening their tightening their lending practices you know um their their what i call risk tolerance um in some cases may be may be a lot lower than it used to be just to keep themselves safe because you know as a lender you want to have a portfolio of, of a mixture of accounts obviously some want to be in default some might be passed through but for the most part you want your customers to be paying you on time um these are some of the things that that the sec may look at too for some companies in terms of portfolios like okay out of your whole portfolio what's your past due percentages all right so they want to keep that at, at, a, at a low level so they're not going to take as many risks on some customers as they would which I always told my clients, hey, don't shoot for like the, the minimum. Like all I need is 680. 
Nah, that's cool, but you may not get approved at 680. Or if you get approved, <clears throat> they may condition your loan such that you have to put more money down or you have a higher rate. So always go for the gusto if you're going to go. You know, don't don't sit at the bottom. You can get approved at 680, but that's what we call sometimes. We call it a backhand approval, which means yeah, I approved you for this loan, but I want 35% down and I want you to have a 10% rate, you know, and that's common more so in the car market. Sometimes you hear about people paying, I had a friend paying 33% on a, on like a, a six-year-old Nissan Altima. And this person was paying about $500 a month for this Nissan Altima. When in reality, if you think about it this way, if they can afford that much for a car each month, they could have got a Benz, but their credit wasn't where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. They had an apartment because the credit wasn't where it needed to be. So they were just basically robbing Peter to pay Paul and then robbing Paul again to pay Peter nonstop working two jobs. And it was a constant hustle constant rat race and that's where a lot of us end up is really trying to just survive that we can't even make a, a the life that we want to live because we're trying to survive all the time and this environment right now for, for those who have good credit and, and, and for those who are liquid um they're in good shape you know they're in good shape right now and if, if those who do have cash on hand right now what i would advise that you do if it's just sitting there put it in the high year savings account because right now with the rates going up, the higher savings accounts are paying high interest rates. If you've been watching TV lately, you saw that Apple um, just opened up a, a higher savings account that's paying like 4%. Now, 4% is a whole lot higher than most banks are paying right now at like 0.02 or 0.1%. So, you know, uh, I personally have an American Express higher savings account that's paying 3.75. And I parked that money there with the intention on investing that money. So I'm not parking the money there just to keep money in the bank. You want to keep your money moving around and making money for you. But right now, as I look for investments and opportunities, I'm letting that money at least make me some money while it's sitting there. Mm -hmm. And like with, you know, like you were saying with uh, banks going through it and lenders going through it, trying to adjust to what's going on with the economy, is that helping or hurting those that are applying for credit cards now? Man, it's hurting. It's hurting because the rates are so high. Very high rates. Like right now, um, most rates are in the 20% plus range for credit cards. Now, what's also happening though, you have a lot of cards um, that are currently offering 0% for 18 months or 15 months or 21 months based upon the lender. So, in order to compete with each other, they're offering these programs, cash back programs, rewards programs. I just got a, a card last week from a local credit union. By the way, if you have a credit union in your city or in your town, I highly recommend working with one because they tend to be a little bit more lenient in terms of lending because they're not as big. They're not publicly traded. The owners of the company are the actual uh, customers of the credit credit union. Right. So they're going to be able to provide definitely better customer service in, in most cases. But usually they get they can give you better rates as well. And I got a card. Actually, I got approved yesterday. Zero um, percent. 18 months. I, I'm going to just take that card, 
I'm going to balance transfer a higher card over to that card um, from that card. I mean, that way I'm paying zero percent versus what I was paying before, and I can you know, say I, can, I have more time to pay that money off um, that I invested. And this is really very very common too on the business credit side of things. Like this is very common for people to like Amex or or Capital One on Tap or a um, Business Unlimited card by Inc. Um, common it's common to have those programs that are introductory to get you on board, but you got to realize that, that period will end at some point. You got to have a plan to either pay it off or float it again. So those can really help you out a lot. But right now, those are really big because it's it's competitive, and the, and they're banking on you not paying it off in time. Like it's, yeah, they know it's a, it's a, it's a gamble, and they know most people are not managing the money properly and not budgeting properly, and they they're banking on the fact that you are going to not pay it off in time. You're going to forget about the rate, and then before you know it, zero, zero goes twenty percent. And your payment doubles, so now mm-hmm. you're like, oh, what, what happened? So you got to pay attention. Um, what I do with, with my cards is I have a spreadsheet, and I, I put down each card in my spreadsheet. I put down the the limit on the on the on the uh, credit card. I track the balance on the credit card. Also track the introductory rate ending period, so I know I'm not surprised when it ends. So you want to be very calculated in general when it comes to credit. So credit is not good or bad. It's how you use it. It's like a hammer can bust your head or it can build a house. You know, <laughs> you know, a gun can, can, can commit murder or protect a household. So it's like, what are you doing with that, that, that tool and that resource to help you get better and be better? I like that analogy. I like that. So another hot topic um, and our economy now, especially with the current administration, has been student loan forgiveness. Yep. Um, some people are in the process. Some people have been granted student loan forgiveness. Well, a lot of people have been granted student loan forgiveness. Um, and this question actually came from our community. How long does it take for the student loans to drop off? And then how big of a point increase do you see once they come off? <laughs> so. This, this is a good one, man, because um, usually anything in most cases when it gets pulled off the credit report is 30 to 60 days. However, this is the government that we're talking about. So it could take longer than that. So you want to you want to follow up with them on their process. Now, here's where it gets tricky when it comes to point increases, because a lot of people focus a lot on their credit score like everybody wants to 850 and i think more so than anything they want to show it off they really don't know what to do with the 850 because if you never do it 850 you would already maxed out your investment opportunities at a 720 you know what i'm saying like if you really understood how, how, how credit works you would you would already be leveraging it 850 is not, it's not going to give you a better rate than a 760 in most cases because usually Banks have what's called tiered pricing, risk-based pricing. So they have tiers from a 300 to a 450 is this rate, from a 450 to a six. So they had so, so that 760 in most cases, in most banks, is going to be your highest rate. So the 850 is really not going to be, it's just more so you can say you got one, right? I got an 850. Now, in terms of FICO score, which is what's the which, which is the biggest credit uh the biggest usage of sorry, it's the one the lenders use use the most in terms of credit scoring model. 
is FICO. And it has five factors. I've said this before. I know you're probably tired of hearing it on, on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. But it's really important that you understand that these five factors are important. Payment history, credit utilization, length of history, credit mix, and, and, and inquiries are very critical because these are all weighted differently. And the two heaviest rated are going to be credit score. I'm sorry, payment history and uh, credit utilization at 35% and 30%. Now, if you can imagine in your head, and each one of these criteria has a weight or a dumbbell beside it, 35 pounds is obviously higher than 15 pounds or 10 pounds. 30 pounds is heavier than 15 pounds and 10 pounds. Now, I say that because people are asking about the point increase when it falls off. And it's going to vary. It's going to depend on your individual credit profile. Where, where do you stand in those five categories? So that question can't be answered in detail per number because I don't know what it, I don't know you, your profile, right? What is what is weighted? Number two, length of history of credit credit age credit age is fifteen percent of your FICO score. For a lot of us, like myself, my student loans are my oldest credit account. Mm. I see where you're going with this. Going with this, if it falls off my credit report, my score might go down temporarily. Because once again, you got to think about it like this: a FICO score is often shown as a pie, right? A pie. But I look at it as levers, and these levers are constantly moving. You 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 pay things on time. You you pay things slow, or you miss a payment. You use a credit card, it goes up, it goes down. History is changing as you get new accounts, right? You got a installment loan, you got a revolving loan, then your mix changes, right? And then you apply something else. Now your new credit age changes based on that new credit inquiry. It's constantly moving. So I can't tell you what your score is going to be, but I, I can tell you this: if your if your if your student loans are your oldest credit account, they fall off your report. Your credit score is probably going to fall temporarily. Temporarily, because you, as you continue to pay on time and lower your lower your utilization, it's going to go back up. So that's why I tell people you want to have the best score that you can have because when things change, and you pay your car off, and right, and it falls off your credit report. It usually falls a few points. It's not going to be a huge, significant point decrease, though. So don't freak out about that. But you're not going to see this immediate increase on your credit now what you will see an increase in but or a decrease in is your debt to income ratio which is critical as you go out there and look for bigger loans and as you go out there and look for mortgages your dti is one of the major numbers and factors that lenders use to uh judge your credit worthiness so now if you're paying 500 bucks a month for student loans which probably for some of y'all is average that is now subtracted from your debt portion of the DTI ratio. And now if your income stayed the same, your DTI is going to go down, which is what you want. Because DTI just means debt. So think about debt on top. Two is the is the is the, the, the byline income. So debt divided by income. And so if your top number goes down, the bottom number stays the same, the equation goes down which is good because the higher your DTI, the worse. And, and most lenders want you to be 40% and below. So if you, if you come into a lender's office for a major purchase and you're at that 35%, 30%, 25% DTI, 
that's going to be a really strong, strong uh, factor in your favor. So as far as credit goes, Shannon, and student loans falling off, it's going to vary per person. Um, you want them to be checking the credit report on, the, on a pretty regular basis to ensure it falls off. Follow up with the agency that you're working with. Um, as far as checking your credit report, let's talk about that, too, really quick. Um, I, I, I do use Credit Karma, which is probably a no-no for a lot of people, but I use it for one thing. I use it for a quick access. I, I never use my Credit Karma score for any indication of where I am. I just really, really quick go look at my credit factors. I look at my payment history, inquiries, things like that, and it's right there on my fingertips. Before mm -hmm. I make a lending decision, I go to one of three places. Annualcreditreport.com, credit check total as well, or myfico.com. Those are going to be your three most accurate systems to pull your FICO scores from. And if you really want to get into it, it's a good idea to even subscribe to probably my FICO because they provide a lot of education around credit and, and scoring models and changes. And they, they usually get the information first. So when things come out, but like a FICO 10 that just came out, I think two years ago, that was already on my FICO and kind of breaks it down for you in terms of what it actually analyzes. So if you really want to stay on top of things, you know, subscribe to a, a credit worthy system to uh, stay in line with the credit. All right. I hope that answered the questions out there for those that were wondering, um, you know, about the um, student loans and how it affects. Uh, we have a question here that says, what about the FICO score most banks provide? Is that accurate? Yes. If it's a, so, so that, yeah. So the, the thing with the FICO scores is that there are over 28, almost 30 different versions of FICO. And that's why I recommend that, a, that a, uh, website I just recommended because it's going to give you your FICO 3, your FICO 2, your FICO 5, FICO 8, uh, FICO Auto, FICO, FICO Credit Card Score. It's going to give you all those scores. So if it's a FICO score, it's going to be accurate. But the, the tricky part about it is you don't know what version, what vendor it's going to pick and choose from. So I always recommend before even applying for anything big, especially, you ask the question, what FICO model do you pull? Or even more importantly, what credit bureau do you pull? Because some some will, will pull a tri FICO report, which pulls all three bureaus at one time. And FICO eight, from my understanding and research, is the most commonly used in regards to like house purchases. But then maybe for a car lender, they're going to use FICO Auto because that's actually a FICO Auto score out there. Now the the changes behind those scores. It's proprietary. FICO's not going to tell you what they're doing differently to each model. That's their secret. That's their secret sauce. That's why they're number one, right? They're, they're able to provide lenders over time with the best outcomes based upon their criteria. But it's always good to know in advance what model are they going to pull. And my FICO is going to give you each model per bureau of your own scores you can kind of see the variances between all of them that i told you ladies and gentlemen when he's here grab a pen grab a notepad this will be plenty <laughs> notes for you to take 
Uh, we've come up to our first break. This break is brought to you by the CEO within you. We'll be right back. I'm ready to get the ball. Welcome back. Welcome back. Once again, this is the Successes Within Reach podcast, season four, episode three, credit and finance conversations with Jay Allen. All right. So let's get back into it. So unfortunately, uh, you had a lot of people over the course of the pandemic, you know, they lost jobs, they were laid off um, or, you know, they were temporarily laid off. um, And unfortunately, a lot of people filed bankruptcy. Um, now that things have started picking back up, what does the path forward look like for a person that's coming out of a bankruptcy? Like, are there any cards that they can apply for to help them get back on their feet? Um, are the you know are they automatically disqualified from any type of loans, or are there some types you know maybe secured that can help them get back on their feet? You know, how do they strategize their budget? Like, how what does the path forward look like for them to restore their financial well being? Yeah, that's a good question because I remember my, my first time, you know, in the seat of an underwriter. And I, I was trying to really find the one right answer to approve people's credit reports. And what you realize very quickly is you have so many scenarios that you deal with. And and bankruptcy is it, common in, 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 in this country for consumers, chapter seven, chapter 13, um, seven being a wipeout of all debts um, that are owed, except for like student loans. I think I think alimony may, may stay as well. 13 being like a reorg where you have a, a, a actual plan, a, a payment plan through the court trustees to where you're paying lenders a certain percentage monthly or quarterly of what you owe them. Um, now, I remember having a customer who had filed bankruptcy and my first thought was automatically de- decline the deal. And um Cause I was, it seemed like it was black and white at first, right? So nuggets, everybody credit is it's not black and white. Number one, credit isn't black and white. So whenever you are, uh, uh, if you ever decline for something, ask, ask why, understand why. If you have a, a you know, apply for a loan and you get a smaller amount, understand why, ask the question why, so you, you can get better next time and figure out how to come back stronger. The person that actually applied for that particular loan that I was, I was underwriting at the time, had did some very valuable steps that I looked over as a new credit analyst. Um, they had started to rebuild their credit through a, a few different avenues. Um, and back then, I didn't, I didn't know what those avenues were. I had never heard of things like this before, secure cards, but they started in the, in the secure card space, right? That was their that was their first step. So um, one card that I um, used to recommend to my clients in credit repair was uh, credit builder card. Um, that's a, that's a really really good one. And for those who don't know, it's a secure card. It's basically a, a credit card that that you put money onto as collateral, like maybe five hundred bucks, and that's your limit on that card. And they will hold that cash for you for a certain period of time, maybe forever, um, as you use the card. Some cards will convert over a six month period, maybe a nine month period, to an unsecured card, and they give you your money back. And then some don't. Once again, read the fine print, ask the questions. Another system that I, I like to use a lot for my clients is self-lender. 
self-lender essentially is a like a savings account that you pay for 12 to 24 months uh, i recommend 24 months because it's long history remember long history uh the better um and you basically get that money back at the end of 24 months minus their fee and the important thing for both those i just mentioned is they both report to all three credit bureaus you want that's very very important because you never know which bureau a lender is going to choose from when they go and and, and pull your credit in that case i also recommend again if, if you're somebody that has a, a local credit union that you are not using either either you're even using credit unions once again in some cases are going to be more understanding of your current situation now let's be clear though this usually happens this process of rebuilding with secure items can happen during your bankruptcy process because they're not pulling your credit right most people in bankruptcy um according to cnbc after about two years they're at that 640 range and above so that they're, they're at that at that fair to good approaching good credit um based on these practices bankruptcy is not the end all be all it's, it's it's not death but you have to be intentional about rebuilding while, while it's happening um speaking of credit units as well some have what's called a pledge loan so you can basically go into this credit union and get maybe a you know a, a 12 year sorry 12 month or, or, or a cd or savings account and they will give you a loan and use your cash on hand in the cd or in the uh savings account as actual collateral for that loan and that can report too right and what you're doing is you're building credit you have a credit builder card or or either a uh it's, it's one called uh i think it's called skyline card you have grain g-r-a-i-n which is a a fintech card it's a, it's actually on your apple iphone it's a it's a it's a, it's a like a it's a virtual card that, that you can use in terms of credit card um it's not it's no credit pool for that too so now you're building your credit mix you start early you build the length of history on your, your credit report now you have a good relationship with the lender that you're using already at the credit union so you're kind of killing a few birds in one stone now let me turn my hat around and say this from a, a lender standpoint when i pull your credit and i see okay they're doing business with this self company they have a credit card on file <clears throat> they're doing business with you know the, the, this credit union I, i'm thinking to myself okay somebody trust them because as a lender my job is never to eliminate risk my job is to, is to mitigate risk based on two things i said all the time facts and data i have to become comfortable with your credit profile enough to lend you money so if i'm looking at your credit profile and i see that you have filed but through the process you are now building and doing the right things in the right way i'll trust you with some money man it may not be what you want from me at that moment but once again now you're building rapport with me too right so now i'm reporting to your credit so now you got four or five trade lines reporting to your credit report and now you can leverage my my approval for another approval and mm -hmm. that's part of the bill over time and that's why you know it's it's like this when you think about credit building credit you have to think about it like you are it's a innovation because the mindset that people have is so much of a rush to get to the end 
and get to the 700, that we bypass the part of learning what we're doing and the education piece of it. That's the most important part of this because if you know how to do it and it gets broken, you know how to rebuild this thing. Yeah. I always say, God forbid, if I get hacked tomorrow and they ruin my credit, I know how to rebuild it like the next day because it's the education piece of it. That's the important part of it. And also the rapport that you build in these cases, a lender who's dealt with you for years is going to be more apt to give you a second chance if you've already worked with them in the past. Because one of the criteria that I always put into my credit write-ups is long-time customer from 2000 and whatever, right? And if you, if, you, if, you, if you have an American Express card, on the front of your card, it says customer sense. And if you ever call them, if you, if you ever call them, they'll say, thank you for being a customer since 2003. Like they pay attention to things like that. And as a current customer of institution, in most cases, it's not a guarantee, especially based on the size of them, you know, because these bigger ones may not give you the same service level. But based on that, they are more apt to give you maybe larger lines of credit at the time or a second chance of credit. Now, if you have a credit union that you're dealing with locally, that's great because in most cases, people that work there have been there for a while. What I've noticed lately at my current national bank is they change branch managers every single month. I'm like, I just met this dude, or this young lady last week, and they got a promotion, and now they're the director, which everybody's director at a bank, right? <laughs> director of janitorial services and director of whatever, right? But it's constant movement. Most credit units who are small, they got two or three branches, and that woman. But that man at the counter, they've been there for years. I, I walked in one the other day that I was that I just joined, and a guy walked in behind me. They're like, Tom, how's it going, man? You know, how how you been feeling? How was surgery? I was like, damn. <laughs> like, you know this man. Like, it, it yeah. was like, so, I promise you, the one thing that's not that's, that you can't quantify, and I don't want to get off subject too far, but you can't quantify a relationship. You know, and, and, and in lending, that's important. I promise you. Because um, my, my previous role, I was a sales rep. And I was I, I covered a territory, you know, that spanned the Midwest. And everybody knew everybody. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and people talked. And people were able to get things done because they knew the finance manager. And they understood the situation. And it's very important that your lender understand what you're what you're going through at the moment because they can help you out now once again that's more so a credit union because they, they usually have that warmer feel but obviously you know fill them out you know fill your bank out but starting those steps through the process are going to be great because now you can you can come out of that thing whether it's dismissal or, or discharge which is different by the way you can come out of that thing already having a credit profile that's that's ready to get some money it may not be the money that you want to get in the beginning but you're going to get some money coming out of it you know and and one of the biggest things i think people have to keep in mind you didn't break your financial profile overnight right so you're not going to fix it overnight no you know like you said some people get so wrapped up in i got to get it done right now i got to get it done right now that they miss a lot of important steps along the way like that was so important when you said that piece like people got to realize there's a process to all of this yeah it took you years of Messing up credit, getting bad loans, defaulting on stuff, da 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 da. You gotta take the time and take the right steps 
to fix this. Learn what you did wrong. Learn how to bounce back from it. If you need to get a financial coach, you know, get get somebody like Jay Allen that can help you create a spreadsheet, create the proper strategies and go from A to Z to actually rebuild your life and do it the right way so that you can bounce back in the event that life happens again. You never know, you know, everybody that files bankruptcy, it isn't due to negligence. Some people do it from divorce. Some people do it due to bad investments, whatever the case may be. But you have to take the right steps. You can't just snap your fingers and think, oh, it's just a quick fix to get back on top of the game. It doesn't work like that. I mean, I would even say, Shannon, too, man, um, you know, like you mentioned earlier, you know, get you a budgeting coach. You know, this, this is what I always usually relate this to. People say, man, my pants shrunk, you know, my shirt shrunk. You know, no, nah, you got bigger. <laughs> you know, you didn't get bigger overnight. Yeah. You know, so when you go to the gym twice and you don't see what you want to see, you didn't eat two meals and become overweight. Like It took you time to get there. After having that patience with yourself, that grace and mercy to forgive yourself for whatever you did, but then really to analyze and become more self-aware in the process, you know, understand where you went wrong, you know, and um, I mean, even even authorized users are another way in, in this case to start building some type of credit profile. You know, authorized users, I like those better than trade lines, but because trade lines, you know, there's so many people in that industry that, that are not ethical. So you got to be really careful where you buy those from. But at the authorized user account, um, you, you can get on somebody's authorized user account. Obviously, it's got to be in, you want to be in good standing. You want to be at least three years old, right? At least three years old and good standing and your low you, you, utilization, low 30 percent, at least preferably under 10 percent. But that's another way to start building. Now, let me be very clear, though. What I learned as a credit analyst, when we, when we, we pull your credit report, we can tell accounts or authorized user accounts mm-hmm. so the, the the there's usually an au beside the account in there which means authorized user so i know as a, as a credit analyst that's not your account so though i may give you your score may increase from you adding that i may or may not give you credit for it when i approve you though because i know it's not yours then if it belongs to you it says i individual so those are some of the things that we see on the back end when we pull credit i know it's not yours you, you ain't fooling me <laughs> you know, good I to see, know <laughs> yeah i see it, I see it. but like i said each lender has their own set of risk criteria i was mm-hmm. trained to, to take a nice perfectly black marker and cross that out <laughs> hey again like it's it's so great to be able to chop it up with somebody that knows both sides of the game, you know, like some people, that's all you hear, you know, get trade lines, get trade lines, become an authorized user. And now you got somebody that's went and got like 10 or 12 of those on their profile, not knowing, like you said, you just sit there with a black mark and you're like, all right, this isn't yours. This isn't yours. This isn't yours. So, yeah, you know, you, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Does it help? Yes, but in the grand scheme of things, maybe not as much as you think it does. Yeah. You know, you still need to work on your individual profiles, Absolutely. not just trying to add a million, you know, other accounts from someone else. Yeah. If anything, the people that you're trying to get their accounts on yours, learn from them as to how they yeah. even got theirs in such great standing. Yeah. 
I mean, because now let me be very clear as well. That doesn't now if someone does a soft pull, right? Authorized user is going to affect your credit history, your payment history, your utilization, and your credit mix. So mm -hmm. it's going to it's going to hit most of the five parts of your FICO score. So from a score standpoint, if someone does a soft pull, it may be very very good for you and, and be a benefit. If someone's underwriting, for those who don't know, underwriting is when I'm I'm pulling your full report, like all 10, 11, 100 pages sometimes of your report. I'm going through each page of your report with a fine-tooth comb looking for reasons to approve you or decline you mm -hmm. in that case. So underwriting, so that's the difference between a soft pull and hard pull. Hard pull, they 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 look at every single thing, right? They 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 they're in there. Um, mm -hmm. so pull basically what's your score, right? And, and and that's it. But one thing I will also say, Shannon, as well, people who who have filed while you're in the process, work on your budget immediately, right? Start putting together a savings plan because one of the one of the risk mitigating factors for a lender is if you have cash on hand. So if I can see that you have cash on hand, you have reserves that came from you. It wasn't a it was not a deposit from a relative like you save this money over time i'm starting to see some comfort because i know if, if you default you can probably pay me at least a portion of what you owe me back if you default especially unsecured because unsecured there's no collateral behind it so if you got cash yeah. in, then it's gonna be a huge benefit uh, as well no doubt so another question we have from our community um, is how do you establish business credit without using your personal social security number? Yeah. So if, if so, let me say this first, if someone is trying to build business credit without their social, because they have bad credit, working your credit, because the fastest Facts. way to build business credit is, is to leverage, leverage your personal credit with, with over time building your profile up so well that you don't ever need it again. But to start off not using it, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. So there are a few ways to approach that process. Um, one is it's like a tiered structure where you're starting with like tier one accounts, like the ones we always hear about, the Ulines, the Grangers, right? The the uh, the Quills, right? These accounts that sell services and things like that or, or paper towels, and, right? You say, I'm not going to use it. It's not really about you using it or not. You want to leverage your level one accounts to then go to level two accounts, like your WEX cards, your fleet cards, right? Those Then you start from the bottom, really, and building yourself up in that case. Um, I just saw with Credit Strong, who, is, who has usually been a, a consumer business builder account, now has a business credit builder account that does not pull personal credit uh, at all. So that, that's a that's a good one to have, right? That's a good one to have on your on your file. And it reports to the business credit bureaus. Because here's the thing: there's business credit and there's business funding. Bus business funding is where you like, for example, you can leverage your social and go apply for American Express um cash, American Express Blue, or Capital One um, um tap um what was it called Capital One on tap card or or the um Chase Inc. business card. You can you can leverage basically your EIN is gonna be in play. It's a business name on the account, but they're gonna pull your personal credit. They're still gonna verify your, your um, secretary of state online for your business. They're gonna verify with irs.gov that the EIN is in good standing. 
They're going to look for a, a, um, a, a, a business address that you're using. Some may go as far as looking at your websites. So get a website for your business. Some may go as far as looking at 411, uh, looking for you, things like that. And some may not. But you want those things to already be in place. Now, you want to leverage what you just did with Quill and Ranger and figure out who they report to. But you also want to get a Dunn's number for uh, Dunn and Bradstreet, which is, which is the biggest business credit uh uh credit i guess we call it credit bureau and the experience could be number two so i'll get you an experience account which is number two and then you want to get you a, a equifax business too and that's kind of how they go in a tier dun and bradstreet is still you know the the og of this game experience mm -hmm. in a strong number two equifax is, is more so of a number three and uh i've used all three of them and my job, based on the customers, sometimes can't find them, have to look somewhere else for them. But those are the top three. And they're more out there, too, but there's the top three. So someone that wants to kind of bypass the personal credit, they're going to have to really spend a lot of time heavily building those those up. Their DMB, their 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 experience account, Equifax, by, by, by leveraging that through a tiered structure. Starting with your, your tier one accounts I mentioned Going to your tier two accounts that I mentioned, eventually going to your major, um, you know, tier three high level bank utilization cards. But places like, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's, Amazon, um, they also provide business credit. And if we build strong enough, um, which are under your, your EIN number, they can at some point bypass your, your social security number. Now, but you have cards like uh, Divi, D I V V Y, uh, getdivi.com. They're a business credit card that does a soft pull on your um, on, on your credit. So if a score is just trash, man, you you you're really going to be it's going to be a lot harder to be transparent and honest. But they're going to give you a chance. Another one is going to be Brex, B R E X X. Now Brex focuses on income. Mm -hmm. So so if you are a, a new business with no income, you kind of put yourself in a bad situation because. Credit wants one of three things: collateral, or uh, in, so assets, income, or, or either uh, cash flow. So if you're missing the boat on all three of those, and you have bad personal credit, you are in bad shape. To be honest, yeah, you're in bad shape. So 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 for those who are trying to bypass it because they do have bad personal credit, the first step is going to be to figure out how to fix. Or to improve your personal credit at the same time while you're then building these tiered accounts. Now, I have a coach as well myself, and she mentioned uh, earlier this week during the coaching call that if you think of a business name, like you think about it, right, and you sure you're going to use it at some point, go ahead and incorporate it because you once the thing hits the Secretary of State, that starts the the, the clock ticking on how long you've been in business. Whether you operate or not, the first thing I do now, or my team does, when I get a credit application, is I pull the Secretary of State. That tells me how long they've been operating, if they're inactive or active, or in good standing, if they're dissolved. And if the Secretary of State is not correct, it's I'm not going any further. I'm not pulling mm -hmm. credit, personal credit, or nothing. When you set things up for your business. Now, you can obviously use an attorney if you want to. Uh, you can use inkfile.com, incorporate.com if you want to do it yourself. Um, 
you can use a, a, a consultant if you want to, but make sure your, your stuff is set up properly in terms of like irs.gov, get your EIN number and things like that. You can go ahead and get the Secretary of State going and you may be a year that is established, right? But you haven't used it yet. But when the lender pulls it for the first time, they're seeing 12 months on file, which means you've been in business for a year and you add some revenue to that process. You add, you know, your DMB, your Experian, Equifax already in place. Get you a NAV account, NAV.com. But mm -hmm. now you can watch all three of your business credit accounts at one time, and you can get NAV Boost. NAV Boost is going to it's going to report a trade line to your business credit at the same time. So these are all ways to put together a sweet package to get sweet approvals. Man, oh man, that was a TED talk in itself. But one of the biggest things I need you to understand, because I, I get it when people are like, oh, I want to build this, I want to build that. I want to hire a consultant to help me put this together. Like Jay said, if your personal credit is not together, you aren't prepared for business credit. Because I can tell you, messing up your own personal credit is one thing. Start messing up people's money on a business account and with business credit, you might as well shut down your business and start all over with a new one. Like you, you do not want to start playing those games. Take the time to fix your personal credit. Take the time to get your finances in order before you start borrowing money for your business. You do not want to have red flags all over your business credit profile or defaults on your business credit profile. Nobody will touch you whatsoever, you know, and that that type of stuff follows you. That type of stuff follows you everywhere you go. So if you can't be responsible with borrowing $10,000 on the personal side, you're not going to be responsible with borrowing $10,000 on the business side. Same thing. Um, your revenue counts for a lot, depending on who you're asking for. If you've only made ten, fifteen thousand $15,000, don't go and tell somebody you want to apply for a $250,000 loan for your business. You like you can't even cover that loan yet. Be realistic with it and, and stop listening to the Instagrams and the Facebook, you know, ads telling you, oh, you can get a half million dollars quick and easy, da 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 da. Take time, build your business the proper way. I can't say that enough. Like I said, again, get you a coach consultant to help you put this stuff together. You do not want to be messing up your business credit profile, people. I promise you, I have seen some people ruin it. And every business they open up, the name is mud. Like you, you do not want to be in that group. Facts. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the Successes Within Reach podcast. As always, thank you to Jay Allen. He came through. Like I told you, he was gonna give you plenty of things to take notes on. As always, um, Jay, you want to let them know where they can find you out there on the internet and on social media. Absolutely, man. I am J83Allen on Instagram. I am Allen on Facebook. You can always email me at info at allenfinancialsolutions.biz with your questions. Um, I'll bring answers or either I'll find answers for you. I'm very serious about being in my niche. I try not to play in too much in other circles. I do understand taxes. I do understand investing in insurance, but not enough to give you any advice on that. And I'm very upfront about that. I tell you what I know for sure 
I will always refer you to somebody else that I trust myself. As Sam mentioned earlier, I've been this thing for 17 years, man, and I still have a coach um, in credit. And, and she is amazing, and she does things the right way, which is why I trust her. And being and I watched her for a while too. I, I watched her for a while, and integrity is her first um, her first step. So if you if you're confused about who you should follow, I'll just be transparent. It doesn't take anything from me at all, man. I, I follow um, Terry Krauser, C R O U S E R. Instagram is uh, Care Credit Tools. Um, I like Dion Coopwood, D I O N. Uh, Coopwood, C-O-O-P-W-O-O-D, and also follow Sheeta3 on Instagram, S-H-E-D-A. They're constantly dropping nuggets and bars, man, and I, I like it because what they're giving you is not the quick fix information. Nothing against anybody that, that's, that's doing that. God bless them. That's just not what I'm looking to do because I, I see the other side of the table. Um, I've seen it go bad. I worked in a department one time where we handled legal accounts, so I was constantly working with attorneys and, and judges. And I promise you, man, when things go bad, sometimes they go bad. And in full transparency, during the recession, I can't tell you how many customers committed suicide because they just lost it all. And, and, and obviously, the economy played a big part in that. But some of that, too, was just them being you know, not prepared in, in, in different ways. So um, thank you, Shannon, for the opportunity, man. And for the platform, man, keep killing it, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the portion of the show where I leave you with this week's mind shift moment. Um, you know, and I was thinking of what to say as it applies to, you know, credit and finances. I know it's always a hot topic. It's something that affects everybody, no matter who you are, where you live, what walk of life um, that you're walking. Um, so this is what I have for this week's mind shift moment. It can be tough when your credit and finances aren't where you want them to be, but know that you are not alone and you are more than capable of turning things around. Don't let setbacks discourage you from pursuing your dreams and goals. Remember that every successful person has faced obstacles and challenges along the way. The difference is they didn't give up. They persevered and worked hard to overcome those challenges. Believe in yourself and your ability to improve your situation. Take small steps every day towards your financial goals, whether it's creating a budget, paying off debt, or increasing your income. Every little bit helps. With time and effort, you will definitely see progress. Also, don't be afraid to ask for help. Seek out resources and advice from financial experts, friends, or family members who have successfully navigated similar situations. They can offer valuable insights and support to help you achieve your goals. And last but not least, remember, it's never too late to start working towards a better financial future. Stay motivated, stay focused, and most importantly, don't give up. That is this week's Mind Shift Moment. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Shannon Smith. Um, you can catch me on Instagram at the underscore CEO underscore within. Um, for all of your business and marketing needs, you can contact my consulting firm, The CEO Within You, at www.theceowithinyou.com. And as always, you can catch me here Thursdays on the Successes Within Reach podcast, where I remind you, you were not designed to be good. You were designed to be great. And with that, I say, be safe out there, be productive, and i see you next week. You have just tuned into the Successes Within Reach podcast, hosted by Shannon Smith, where each week we discuss impactful topics and bring you proven solutions to help you create the blueprint to your success. Your success.
Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and join our new Patreon community for more exclusive content and extras. Remember, success is always within reach. All you have to do is take the first step. Until next time. Thank you.